Hello and welcome to this MGMA Industry Insights podcast. I'm Craig Weberg, Senior Editor for MGMA. Today I'm joined by one of our speakers for the financial conference, Sam, Sam Van Norman. He's the General Manager and Vice President of Managed Analytics at Optum Enterprise Analytics. Sam will be speaking at the MGMA 2019 Financial Conference in Las Vegas on March 4th. His session is titled, How Data-Driven Quality Programs Can Maximize Value for Physician Group Success. Welcome, Sam, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Craig. I'm looking forward to the conference, and I appreciate the time this afternoon. Great. Could you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself? What's your background, and, and what do you do there at Optum? You bet. So my role at Optum is as general manager of our managed analytics programs. And what that really is, is matchmaking between our, our 26,000 analytics experts across the organization with our really cool tools and analytics engines and data assets so that we can really meet the needs of both our uh, payer and provider partners. And we do this through longer term arrangements, um, you know, anything from you know, project-based focus studies all the way to uh, co-managing or managing on our client's behalf uh, analytics programs. Let's jump into your session at the financial conference. You know, um, it's going to be focusing on how practices and health plans need to work together to reach their common goals. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, that relationship? I know that you, you coined the phrase, uh, what was that again? Pay Vider. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you bet. So I think that, you know, especially from the, the practice side, you see groups taking on uh, a much higher level of risk. You know, it's it could be bundles, it could be ACOs, it could be moving into professional or even global capitation. And as you move along that spectrum towards global capitation, you, you build on needing more and more uh, uh, data from a different perspective and you need uh, you know, the operational systems, all of a sudden you're doing claims adjudication before you know it, and you need to build that expertise. And, and I think one of the challenges we really have in, in provider organizations is that's not part of our DNA historically, whether it's from uh, you know, thinking about things in terms of uh, you know, a, a payer data language or thinking about things in terms of a, as a health economist or an actuary might look at it. And, you know, conversely, you know, as uh, payers get closer and closer to the providers, you know, there, there comes a place where we're moving away from, you know, for the fee-for-service or pay-for-performance and into this, you know, true leap of faith and, and delegation of uh, a lot of the, the caregiving authority and financing that we haven't had in the past. And uh, to do that, you know, I, I think we, we really need to have a uh, a greater level of data transparency. And we've, we've really seen that emerging, um, but that leads to new problems because you know, our uh, historical systems on clinicians, uh, on the clinician side, are, are really oriented towards you know, billing in a fee-for-service environment. They're oriented towards care delivery operations. They're uh, geared towards you know, a, uh, a care delivery systems rev cycle, but they're not really oriented toward the payer side of things. Conversely, you know, you've got this wonderful set of payer data that's often, you know, woefully out of date, uh, and it's a, a mile wide and an inch deep with our claims. So there has to be a, a way to, you know, bring that together and, and really 
curate that, do identity reconciliation across our patients, across our providers, and then turn it into something that's an actionable insight. And and therein, you know, lies another problem. You know, you you, uh, you need a an analytics program that can think like a payer, but then go back and talk to you know clinicians and really act like a provider. And that's not a, a native skill set that we've built. It, it is something that has to be very deliberately, you know, laid out, and, um, it, and the systems to support that have to be very thoughtfully laid out as well. You know, we, I think that one of the biggest challenges we see is oftentimes with our, our physician partners, you get one chance to get it right, and. After that, you end up, you know, if you don't, you, you spend a lot of time rebuilding your credibility around that. And that's valuable time that we could be focused on, you know, changing the health of populations and maintaining the uh, financial viability of our organizations. Yeah, some of the things you said there really hit home. Any kind of um, IT system, whether it be an EHR or, you know, the systems that you're referring to that are kind of marrying the payer and provider analytics, you do need to get it right, right up front. You lose a lot of credibility when you are replacing programs. You see this rework. So my question to you is, you know, what does a successful program look like and, and how can our um, administrators know with confidence that they're making the right move when trying to implement these analytic programs that do as, as you are suggesting. Sure. And, and I don't think that there are any real easy solutions here. Uh, the foundation of any of this is a very strong data layer where you've got uh, an underpinning that is credible across the continuum of care. So, uh, you know, as, as we discussed a little bit, you know, you've got this deep, rich, but incomplete source of data in our, our EHRs. And then you've got this very broad, but not very deep source of data with our claims data. Having a, a convergence of those two pieces so you have a, a reasonable idea of the entire experience of health and healthcare of our patients is incredibly important, that longitudinal view, but also having that richer, deeper view within the EMR uh, is very important as, as we deal with our, our patients and members uh, in a way that we can clinically impact them. So, you know, that, that fundamental data layer is, is huge where you're bringing everything together and curating it in a way that is very credible, consistent, and timely. I think that the next layer up from that is uh, also, you know, very fundamental, and that is having a, uh, a a set of, you know, smart people and smart processes that can bring the appropriate data at the appropriate times out of the system, uh, out of our, our data and analytic systems, and into the hands of decision makers, whether that's at a system level or at an individual clinician level and have that uh, data language be, you know, meaningful and consistent with a focus on very actionable results. So uh, taking a, a strong, rigorous approach towards uh, identification and stratification of the, uh, the appropriate patients that uh, should receive interventions or not receive interventions, an ability to really 
identify positive and negative deviants from a care delivery perspective so that we understand which of our clinicians uh, are following evidence-based practices and those that aren't and understanding the reasons for it. Um, also, the under, uh, a deep understanding of being able to uh, really track, you know, where our patients are going and why they're going to those places, you know, whether it's uh, post-acute care or uh, specialty referrals or anywhere in between, you know, having a really good understanding of the flow of patients across the continuum of care is very important, both from a maintaining a quality of care as well as a uh, maintaining a, you know, control on costs as we move up the risk-bearing spectrum. But I think uh, none of that works unless there is a, a, an incredibly strong culture of transparency and evidence-based decision-making. And I think that starts at the top and is, you know, you know really permeates down but it is not something that just happens. Uh, I think that it's, you know, what we've seen in our really effective analytics programs is that there is a, a thoughtful approach towards change management that, uh, you know, has data and analytics as part of the, the fabric of overall change and transformation. What you're talking about here, uh, you know, the right information at the right time to influence outcomes and cost, I think is conceptually, I, I get it, I understand it. It's what's absolutely necessary in order to change the, the needle and move the needle. Uh, I know that exactly what we're talking about here is, has traditionally been a kind of a, a, a point that, that scares the heck out of our practices, by, to be you quite bet. honest. I mean, there's so many things, you know, it, it, do you invest in a program like this uh, before you enter into value-based contracts? Do you do them together? You know, is it possible to get into a contract first and then do this? Do you have any, you know, what does that timeline look like? And, and how can you, how can our members be confident that the, the work that they do on analytic program, programs like this will pay off? Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, and and that's a that's a tough one, and you know I think uh, you know some of my uh, colleagues cringe when I say this, but there's no return on an analytics investment. There just is no ROI there. The return comes when you actually do something based on those insights, and I, I think that um, you know I, I worked with a number of clients. We come into their their system, and they say, "Gosh, you know we've we've invested." all of this money and, you know, hiring data scientists or building out these platforms and, and gee, you know, uh, that was wasted money. I said, well, you know, the, what have you done with those insights? Because more often than not, you're finding lots of really great stuff. So it's, it's one of those things that is incredibly important and it's a necessary condition, you know, making the investments in the platforms and, and being able to have those insights up front prior to and equally importantly, during programs. Um, but it, it gets back to that, that culture of evidence-based decision-making, uh, which is so incredibly important in making sure that an analytics-supported 
you know, population health program or ACO or our capitation contract is successful. I think that, you know, one of the, the challenges I've seen, this was really exemplified um, with one of my clients uh, who came to us and said, hey, we, we just signed up for uh, seven value-based care programs ranging, ranging from, you know, bundles to a commercial ACO, a Medicare ACO, and uh, a couple of Medicare Advantage professional and global cap agreements. And they said, we're ready to go. And I said, great, let's, let's take a look at your, your analytics. Let's uh, see how you step in these programs. And they said, whoa, 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 we, we, we haven't done that yet. That's why we're calling you. And that's a little bit of, uh, you know, getting a, a little too far down the path uh, without having done that upfront work. Um, I think that uh, one of the things we've also seen kind of the flip side of that is you uh, over-prepare um, and, you know, stay eternally in the pilot mode. Uh, you know, the, I think one of the traps that we've really seen uh, some groups fall into is they'll, they'll get into a value-based care pilot and it, it stays that way for, you know, two, three, five years, and it never gets past the pilot. And, I, and that really speaks to thinking a little bit differently in the organization. You know, I, I think that as care delivery organizations, we don't necessarily think in actuarial terms or economist terms, and uh, understanding what the outcomes we're seeking are from both the financial and, and care perspective, and being very deliberate upfront around what our uh, establish, you know, uh, what are evaluation criteria for, you know, successful um, operations and outcomes are, is very, very important. And I think that's where I see a lot of organizations stumble. And, you know, really those outcomes that you're seeking and, you know, oftentimes very specific outcomes rather than nebulous, we're going to improve the care of populations and make money at it. Having those outcomes very well defined upfront should drive the design of the infrastructure that drive the design of the kinds of people you need to get into place versus, you know, signing up for something because it sounds great or sounds like it's the right thing to do. And I think we've also seen that um, having a strong awareness of you know, what the market will bear is incredibly important. And when I say that, you know, what the, the regulatory environment in a, in a state is, as well as kind of the maturity of, the payer partners across the state uh, in their ability to, you know, delegate risk and be able to support physician groups uh, when they delegate risk. With these analytic programs, the ultimate goal is to change behavior in order to, you know, measure and improve outcomes and cost. Uh, what is that actual interface with the provider? What, what is... How do these analytics get communicated? Is it in real time? Is it part of the EHR? Is it an administrator monitoring some of these analytics and coaching? What does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question, Craig. You know, and the answer, I'll give my economist answer, and the answer is it depends. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example of an IPA I worked with in the Southwest uh, that was focused on Medicare Advantage. Uh, we had a small group of employed physicians in a you know, pretty significant sized um, contracted network of both primary care physicians and specialists. 
and um, you know, with our focus on you know Medicare Advantage risk adjustment and quality, we uh, absolutely needed you know excellent documentation in place. We needed uh, our clinicians to be focused on uh, the uh, predicted conditions that we were identifying based on some of our, our great models that we'd built out, and we needed to, them to be uh, really making sure that they are we're contacting and working with the, the highest risk and rising risk patients. Our challenge there was we had the, you know, the, the small practice that was employed in on our EMR, and that was great. You know, we, we got them the uh, patient list, suspect conditions at the, the point of care. And this was, uh, you know, very EMR integrated. Um, you know, we had uh, highly customized functionality in there. Know, uh, lovely red flags, yellow flags, green flags. Uh, we had the MA workflows around it, and that I think was our ideal state. Now, the reality was we also had uh, a number of other physician groups that we wanted to impact their behavior so that they could uh, have a positive impact on their the clinical and financial outcomes in the MA programs. Some of those groups uh, said, "Give us the data." We've got great workflows. We'll inject that into our EMRs. Other groups, uh, you know, especially the smaller practices, uh, didn't have the uh, IT infrastructure to support doing something like that. So we had a portal uh, with some uh, push mechanisms to say, you know, hey, alert! You know, we have this. We see that this patient is coming in. Uh, log into the portal or hot link to the portal from your EMR. Others were, uh, I think, a, a little less far along on their uh, technology journey or their willingness to work with us in certain ways from a technology perspective, and we were fax blasting them, uh, <laughs> some of the same information. And finally, we had kind of our, our, our later career physicians uh, who had chosen not to transition to EMRs and uh, I were not receptive to anything other than our uh, care managers coming into their offices, sitting down with them, and talking through the patients. But behind the scenes, we had all the same analytics engines running, the same quality programs running, and we had to be very multimodal in our ability to deploy it. And I think that's a, a real important thing for uh, a lot of the members of MGMA to think about is this is as much about, you know, doing the right thing for the health system as it is doing the right thing for the patients as it is doing the right thing for our providers. And coming to a place of where the patients are from a care delivery perspective and coming to a place of, you know, where our providers are from a care delivery perspective as well. So I think that it didn't change the underlying data language, but it did change the way uh, it was delivered based on on where our, our physician partners were. That's exactly what I was. Uh, that's 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 uh, great. I, I really enjoyed that answer because that's always been a an interest to me of how does this information get deployed at the right time at the right place because that's that's the key. You know, as you mentioned, as we've talked throughout this whole conversation, the right analytics without any action is is worthless and. You know, we know that physicians are all in different places. So um, very interesting, very, very interesting. Um, what I'm taking out of this is that 
you have, this can be done and this can be successful and practices can do this. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to your, uh, your session in Las Vegas. That's just over a, it's a month from yesterday. So I'm interested to see how other practices have implemented this and what those processes look like. And I think all of our listeners, listeners are as well. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom before I, we sign off today? Well, uh, I'm also looking forward to the conference and in seeing you all in Las Vegas. I think that uh, one of the things I would, you know, just uh, challenge the listeners to do is really, you know, push outside the echo chamber. It's, it's so easy within our organizations to get so focused on, well, this is the way you know, we do things because we're this uh, high-performing clinical practice, or this is the way we do things because, you know, our, our health system is, you know, an epic organization or an all-scripts organization. And it's it's hard, but you got to get outside that echo chamber sometimes. And I think, you know, conferences uh, like this one are a great place to understand how others are approaching this. I think, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier on, uh, thinking like a payvider sometimes means getting really far out of our comfort zone and really far out of our expertise. And it's, it's okay to ask for help. There are a lot of organizations out there that are, are bilingual. They speak payer and they speak provider. Seek them out, whether they're your peers, whether they're consultants, whether they're uh, industry groups, seek them out because they'll, they'll have the insight. Your, uh, your constituent organizations are not alone. I really like that uh, advice. You know, we try to encourage people to get out and to talk to as many people as possible. That's one of the best things about going to a conference. You know, don't just focus your energy on people that are like you. Talk to someone else who's doing it in a different situation and see what's applicable to yourself. So I really appreciate that advice, Sam. And thank you, Sam, for sharing these insights. Before we close, I'd like to remind you that Sam will be sharing more of these insights at his session on March 4th in Las Vegas in his session titled How Data-Driven Quality Programs Can Maximize Value for Physician Groups for Success. And to learn more about this event, join us. Uh, take a look at mgma.com events and look for the financial conference, and that'll show you all the, the great content that we've got there. Thanks again so much, Sam. Thank you.